The church bells begin to ring. We see someone standing in the gardens of Point Claire, wearing a golden mask adorned with a lily motif, tending to the flowers that shouldn't be blooming at this time of year. Her blonde hair can be seen cascading out of the hood of her robe as she hums under her breath, picking a blood-red lily in full bloom with the final bell. As the flower is plucked, birdsong can be heard in the distance as the scene turns fuzzy. And I think we're going to pick up with Victor, who so very politely agreed to take Fatima Sanchez, who is currently on like hour 48 without sleep. I think we just open with Victor driving on a road, the uh, lights flashing overhead as uh, Fatima is like sitting in the passenger seat of his Toyota. Every time it looks like she's about to like nod off, she jerks very suddenly. You have any idea what Jeremiah wants with you? I think I punched somebody he cares about. I don't know. Uh, I hope it goes well. Victor kind of just shrugs. Look, I, I really don't care if I die or not. Right now, I just want this to stop. Oh, okay. Uh, then Victor kind of just shuts up for the rest of the drive. When you get to Jeremiah's apartment, I'm assuming, Jeremiah, that you made the call that Victor is allowed inside. Yes. Okay. So you're able to get in, no problem. Are you just going to leave Fatima there? Go attend to other business? Do you want me to stay? I mean, I wouldn't complain, but what is that going to cost me? Nothing comes free. I pull the book out of my pocket. Just let me keep this. She just shrugs and is like, sure, I'm powerless at this point. Not going to do anything for me. I then like lean against the wall and wait for Jeremiah to show up. All right. Do you want to flick through the notebook and do your figure someone out role now? I super do. That would be great. Yeah. Let's go ahead and do that as in the time that you're waiting for Jeremiah to show up. Yeah. Uh, this is Cass's notebook, so I'm trying to figure her out. Okay. All right, cool. So on a hit hold two, on a seven to nine, they hold one on you as well. That's going to make sense somehow. I promise. Yeah, you know. So as Victor is like flicking through this notebook, he notices that at least like one thing that he just very quickly realizes is that there are two very distinct handwritings in this notebook. 
Interesting. What's your character hoping to get out of killing all these people, including Kieran and the Fleur? So I think this is a surprisingly, I mean, probably not that surprisingly. Katz is ultimately a private investigator at the end of the day. So this notebook is fairly well organized. And as Victor is kind of flicking through the pages of like Kieran Shearer, and it looks like a couple of other people who are pinned in the same color. Cass is big on color coding her notes. You notice that there's a crimes section that like a lot of the other notes in here don't have. And some of the things that Cass is alleging about these people are like pretty heavy duty involving like brainwashing children, indoctrinating people, using like powers to only benefit like some. Kieran's is kind of a bit more questionable just because it was like he was an oracle, but there's notes about, okay, like seems to be well connected, would be good to see who responds to his death, that sort of thing. All of the deaths leading up to the Fleurs were very much to make a path to the Fleur. And then the Fleur seems to be a grudge against the organization as a whole. Interesting. Victor strokes his large beard and keeps reading and cross-referencing a few things. What's your character's beef? with the Fleur and their organization. As Victor is kind of like flicking through this, I imagine he's not the most gentle-handed with the notebook just because it's Victor. He's being delicate. He's trying not to rip anything. He's being... I think he's the sort of guy who's very careful when he reads something. Because he has broken... He has ripped books before. He has... Uh, a history of being a big strongman. Yeah. So he knows to be when to be careful. So what it is, is that like, as you're flipping through, you notice that some pages have been torn out, but they were written on hard enough that you can kind of feel on the pages that were around it, like what was written. And we're just going to pull some bullshit werewolf senses stuff here. And, like, as a werewolf, you have kind of higher senses, especially when it comes to that sort of tactile situation. And you're able to kind of find the name Leon Fleur. You find, like, the phrase sacrificed in the name of power. Another phrase about, like, being eternally imprisoned in body after body. And... And finally, like one that's like, it's all the Fleur's fault. And you kind of piece together that like whoever this second set of handwriting in Cass's notebook is, because the impressions are done in that handwriting, is very angry about these sacrifices that have been taking place to maintain this power status quo. And that Fleur's watch continues to perpetuate that. Victor nods and he's like, is this what my mom's in? As he's kind of muttering that to himself, he turns to another page and is surprised to see his own name on this page. Ooh, interesting. 
The question that I have, and the reason why you know that she knows this is because it's written on the page, is what's your character hoping to get from maintaining the baronship of five points? Jeez, cut to the core of my character, why don't you? This is a thing I don't think Victor really understands about himself, but he is rebelling, right, against his mother and the pack. Or he might know that, but he doesn't understand that he doesn't really want to get anything out of this baronship. Like, he's just doing it because it's something to do that isn't the power structure that his mother is a part of that isn't with the cops it's convenient because it's part of his past and he cares about the community but like he's just fucking lashing out and shit he didn't have a good plan and he still really doesn't but he's working on that now i think what you see in cass's handwriting on that page is baronship is just posturing dash possible ally question mark victor like cocks his head at the uh the writing there and closes the book as he hears people coming up the stairs you're it that's exactly what was gonna happen jeremiah you and dinah have made it back to your apartment jeremiah will open the door step in nod at victor and uh a bit of a cruel smile will play across his face when he sees Fatima. She's like standing up, leaning against the back of the couch. Arms forward, leaning, just exhausted, but doesn't want to sit down. Victor. Thank you very much for assistance. I think it'd be best if you go now. What are your intentions, Jeremiah? I just want to have a nice, simple conversation with the lovely Fatima Sanchez. And if that's all I have, she'll be fine. Not bullshitting me, are you, Jeremiah? Feels like a figure somewhat out. That's a three. I knew I'd have to fail one of these eventually. Victor, your phone starts ringing as you ask that. And it is Leslie Long who is calling you. Okay. Just keep it civil, Jeremiah. And I'm going to step outside and answer the phone. Hey, Leslie. Hey, Victor, you've been... You were looking into Troy's bodega, right? Yeah. Okay, there are some, like, real weird people scoping it out right now okay thanks uh they across the street or like from the bodega yeah back alley okay thanks leslie i'll check it out yeah uh did did your friend end up writing that letter i'll ask him give me just a second I open the door back to Jeremiah's apartment. Hey, Jeremiah, did you ever write that letter? I can get it to you tomorrow, Victor. I've got it mostly outlined. Just need to do a formal type up. Sure. Thanks. 
no, he's been procrastinating, but he'll have it tomorrow. All right. Thanks. I'll, uh, I'm going to go back to the diner. Yeah. Cool. Thanks again. All right. Jeremiah will ignore that flight. Victor's going to walk down the stairs and head to his car and <laughs> leave. All right. Jeremiah. Jeremiah's going to hang up his coat, take Dinah's coat, get his shoes off, and then walk up to Fatima. You know, probably best to take a seat. She just kind of looks at you, and then where do you want me to sit? Oh, just on the couch is fine. I can always get a new one. Great. But she's not really in any position to fight right I don't so she sits down. Dinah. You want first crack at her? Oh no, I need to do some preparation. Go ahead and have whatever conversation you wanted to. And you see Dinah move into your kitchen and starts pulling items out of her bag. Oh, Fatima. You'd have made a very big mistake. We specifically expressed our neutrality. And you decided to fuck with that. Now, guess what I really wanted to talk to you about? It's kind of mood at this point, given uh, what happened to your organization. But, uh, now, I think that your the curse has more than made up for this slight. Dinah doesn't agree. But I would like to extend you an invitation to come work with the network. We're always in need of good, reliable muscle. Roll to persuade an NPC with threats? That's a partial success. On a 7 to 9, they modify the terms or demand a debt. She just kind of like looks up at you, looks over towards Dinah in the kitchen. Looks back at you. Are you going to get her to, like, not ruin me in the process of this? I think that depends on your answer. But if you're willing to devote what resources and manpower you still have at your disposal to my endeavors, then I can, I think I can persuade her to go easy on you. Sure, whatever. I deserve a few solid punches in return anyways. Excellent. I'll have a contract written up for you to sign. But, you know, something real bad is about to go down. I need someone with uh, muscle and connections on my side. And I figure you want to come out of this alive. I just want to get back to sleep. Can we hurry this along? Like, I don't care at this point. I'll sign the contract. Dinah can do whatever the fuck she wants to me. And then just remove the damn course. I'll stumble down the fire escape or something and fall asleep in the alley. I don't know. Jeremiah will extend his hand. Fatima shakes it, but, like, is clearly struggling with the level of motor control that even she requires. 
Excellent. He'll go over to the kitchen. Well, she's nominally agreed to be on our side. Try not to damage her too badly. All right, still in fighting condition. Got it. And Dino, like, very specifically chooses, like, she had, like, four or so items out in front of her of a variety of things. And she uh, picks up that just looks like a common pair of brass knuckles. Jeremiah will nod and sort of, like, hang near the door to the kitchen watching Fatima. There's a bit of a just sadistic smile on Dinah's face as she steps out into the living room and moves the coffee table out of her way, and we fade to black. Yeah, after Dinah's done, Jeremiah will remove the curse. All right. You know, I'm just having so much fun leaving Silk in suspense. Alec, what are you up to? Kind of depends on uh, how close we're getting to this meeting. For sake of story, let's say we're getting pretty close. Okay. So uh, Alex is basically making himself pretty up for this because, uh, you know, get invited out by a church, you gotta look your best. So he has put himself together a little boutonniere with a begonian hydrangea and gotten himself into a nice uh, fancy black suit, uh, black shirt, red vest, and tie. It's one of the few times he is going to wear a tie. And he's just going to make his way down to the church. He's got that mask uh, under the, the jacket kind of pinned to the inside of the vest, so it's not visible, but definitely bringing it with. Nice. When Alex arrives at the church, he sees that there is like another vehicle parked outside of the church gate, but the gate is surprisingly open when it's not normally open at this time of night. Is this a recognizable vehicle, or is this just uh, nothing that I would know? It is Astrid Margaret's vehicle. Hmm. Good to know. I'm sure that's fine. Uh, yeah, so he's going to head on inside. There's nobody really on the grounds, but when he moves into the church, instead of kind of that weird transition thing that happened last time, uh, he just kind of steps into the main worship space of the church. Sure. And there is someone in there waiting for him with a blood red lily in her hands. She wears white robes and has the lily motif mask on. Her hair has properly been tucked into her hood now, so it's not quite as easy to tell who this is. But Alex might notice the rose gold wedding band. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, he's going to play along, you know, wearing a mask, so he's not going to give away that game there. He's just going to kind of bow over one hand and take the invitation out of his pocket and hand it over. I believe I am expected. Uh, yes, you are this time. And she asked me to... Escort you. We want escort. Well, you have been vying for her attention, haven't you? In a manner of speaking. <sighs> you want to follow me to the uh, bell tower stairs? Of course. And there is a short period of time here as she is directing you towards the stairs. Yeah. 
Last time Alex was here, there wasn't a whole lot of time to sort of take in the church itself, but he's definitely, you know, admiring the architecture at this point. I don't know if this would count as an investigative place with power, uh, but if so, he's he's at least taken a look around. I think it would, because last time you did it on the church grounds, and this time you're in the church prep. <laughs> That's fair. Is this still power? Yes, this is still very much power. Magic everywhere. Let's see if I can mark power again. Now that's a six. Phelan rolls all day. So I think what happens as you're following, who is most assuredly Astrid, to the stairs, you get sidetracked from your investigate mission because the woman who is escorting you asks, so why are you so determined to get her interest anyways? And I think Alex, who had been kind of looking at probably some sort of decoration on the walls or snaps back, ah, well, initially, it was because I felt a sort of kinship. I think of this place as a large, mostly empty building full of ghosts. And frankly, I feel much the same myself most times. It's also one of the few things in this city as old as I am. Now, well, intentions have shifted somewhat. Well, hopefully you don't disappoint. I think if anyone here is to be disappointed, it is me. She smiles as she unlocks the door, and as she opens it, Alex gets kind of that feel that he had gotten when he was at the top of the bell tower before. And then uh, she looks at you and says, I'm sure that you can make it up some stairs yourself. Yes, I'm in quite good constitution, but thank you for your concern, Astrid. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> and with that, he just kind of like politely nods at her and heads up the stairs. I think we get. The uh, moment lingers there with her, and there's just like a bit of a smile on her face as she closes the door. And as that door closes, we find ourselves somewhere else. Where might that be? Hey, um, so can you tell me what Titania's court looks like? Titania's court is going to appear to be like an overgrown forest with. Just giant flora everywhere. Trees that go out of sight when you look up. Flowers of every color imaginable. And probably cute animals running around just because they can. Nice. And I think the two of you find yourself in the middle of this court. Maybe 15 feet from where a throne has been formed out of quite a few of these giant flowers. Alistair, you think you're in hell? Or, or are you feeling like you're somewhere else? As Alistair looks around, he says, this, I always figured hell would be more, well, fiery, to be honest with you. Well, the thing with these doors is that they don't always appear in the same place or here on the other side. It appears we've gone 
much closer to, well, you can consider it downtown Feywilds rather than uh, Detroit. And how do we go about getting out of here? Well, I'm on a bit of a time limit, you see. On the bright side, time here doesn't quite work the way you're used to. As long as we don't get too distracted, we will return in a timely manner. But that first bit will probably be influenced rather heavily by, I'm assuming there's a person in the throne or no? I think as soon as Silk says the bye, there's like that kind of snap of air as someone appears in the throne. Mm -hmm. Hello, auntie. Oh, the wayward nephew returns home. Well, I wasn't planning on visiting, but it appears uh, you have had other plans. Oh, quite. Uh, who's this darling little snack you've brought with you? And as she says that, uh, Alistair, you notice that much like Silk when he's being all fayish, this woman has many, many sharp teeth. Could Alistair uh, put a name to a face here? Yes. Roll to put a name to a face with Wild. That's an eight. All right. So, Alistair, you at the very least are familiar with the notes on the powerful fae and undoubtedly know that this is titania who is the queen of the summer court literally one of the most powerful fae in existence yeah that's what most people know about her very powerful maybe don't mess with her i think alistair makes a very exaggerated bow not really an exaggerated bow, but an exaggerated show of bowing. It says, Greetings, your highness. I am Alistair Lockwood of the St. Fleur Lockwoods, Master of the Arcane Arts. Your, uh, servant Silk here and I were just passing through on our way to hell, and, well, it is quite the pleasure to meet you. Oh, you too, and how polite you are. I, Silk, you could learn a thing or two from him. Silk just laughs. Well, I have been on the other side learning quite a few things. Yes, maybe like how to fix a certain tree. Well, about that. I'm not quite sure if that's in my best interest quite yet. And please tell me why it might not be in your best interest yet. I'm dying to know. Well, isn't the issue that you're dying at all, but, uh... No, as soon as you say that, she's gonna true name you. Fuck. It's the feeling of silk rustling across your body as you dance in the moonlight. Yes. I have no clue how to make that sound, but... But, yeah, Titania definitely does. So, Alistair, you see Titania, like, you see her mouth move. You don't really understand the sound that comes out at all. And then Silk's mouth just disappears. And Silk's eyes just wide in absolute terror. This is the first time you've seen anything at all this intense in Silk's face. Sorry, darling. Was it hell that you needed to go to? 
Yes, that was what we were looking for. Right. And do, do, do you really, really, really need my darling little nephew here? Well, he does owe me a bit of a favor and, well, magic, backing up magic is always helpful. Oh, it would be so terrible if I made you go against one of your own deals, Silk, darling. Silk is just glaring. Alistair, St. Fleur Lockwoods, uh, yes, I've worked with many of your ancestors. Convince me. Is it possible for me to try to read her? Yeah, go for it. Roll with mind. There's the miss of the day. I got a five. So I think what happens is that it seems like Alistair kind of stumbles here a little bit. Not expecting that he was going to have to deal with this many fey today, much less Titania. And as he's kind of clammed up a little bit, she steps off her throne and walks towards you, Alistair. And like, she is tall. And she puts a hand on your forehead. Hey, you're touching now. If you would like to skim the surface, you can, but I'm still going to end up resolving the move. But you may skim the yeah. surface. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and do that. Add some eleven. Okay, first up, what is your character thinking about right now? You get glimpses of a tree deep in the middle of Arcadia that is dying. And it is missing a branch. A branch that you've seen, but she's thinking about this dying tree. Okay. As a player, where have I seen this branch or do I know? You've seen it in Silk's living room. Yep. It is hanging above my mantle. Okay, I remember. Okay. Second question. Who are you protecting? This is going to kind of sound weird, but she is actually protecting Silk by dealing with this herself. Okay. I can see that logic. And last question. What is your character's hidden pain? Oh, she and her sister, Mab, were pretty close once upon a time. But something happened to cause a falling out between the two of them. The Seelie Courts and the Unseelie Courts are kind of in war with each other right now. And that hurts her. That's not something she wanted. Okay. And alongside all of those thoughts, you also just hear Titania's voice in your head. Like she, in return of doing this, has been scouring your own thoughts. And as she pulls her hand away, she looks at you, Alistair, and says, I'll let you take my darling nephew here and send you both on your way. And give you the ability to deal with this cousin of yours. In return, though. There it is. You know very well that there is always a catch. I need a pledge of loyalty. Can I get some more details on that? I'm under the distinct impression I'm not allowed to say no, but I 
generally like to read the terms and conditions of soundtracks before I sign them. Oh, I mean, you're more than welcome to say no, and then I'll send you on your way alone. And keep my darling nephew here for, well, time does move different. Right now, it probably wouldn't mean much, just the opportunity to, um, look through your eyes. But it could always evolve into more. Right now, she will basically just be using you as a spy to gather more information. But it opens the door to further deals. Welcome to Alistair's life, where he makes deals with everybody and is going to end up in the middle of everything because of it. Yeah, I think he nods very anxiously. Again, we get that hard swallow. And he just says, All right, that seems, well, as reasonable as I might expect. Oh, sure. Cassius told you earlier that we are reasonable folk. Oh, you listened on that conversation then. I didn't listen. It was all there in your mind. Oh, right. The uh, telepathy and all of that. So we're in agreement then? I hesitate to say this sentence, but yes, you send us to hell and I will, well, before I finish this sentence, for how long could I expect to be your servant? Let's see. Sending you to hell with my nephew, who I most dearly, dearly want to make sure that he just stops causing problems, while also giving you the power to at least temporarily disable your cousin... Throwing in that time moves a little different. Let's call it three months. Alistair is, like, he expected a lot longer than that. So I think he's, like, going to try to hide his surprise. And just say, yes, that sounds agreeable. With, of course, the opportunity for re-upping the contract. Yes, yes, of course. I'm familiar with how these things work. Lovely. So do we shake on it, or... She gestures to your forehead, and, like, you can feel that, like, there's some, like, golden light mark that's kind of already settling into your skin. It'll disappear here very shortly. But she's branded you in some way. I don't think Alistair would know it would disappear, so he kind of looks up towards his forehead and say, Oh, no, you've cursed me that I have to grow bangs how unfortunate oh it'll be gone shortly it's only here in the Feywilds that it'll appear so prominent that way you know little traveling teeth know not to mess with you your property usually people buy me dinner before they tell me that oh I thought you knew better than to accept food from the Fey and she snaps her fingers before you can like respond to that and the two of you find yourself in hell with Silk having his mouth back. Ah, uh, yes. You being able to speak means this must be hell. Silk is going to glare at you. and I, well, that wasn't supposed to happen. But, uh, I warn you that she was softballing you there. 
I would be quite worried what it is that she really wants. Uh, most of our contracts, especially those of the uh, more powerful ranks of the Fae, they usually go a year and a day. The fact that her contract with you is only three months might mean something, or it might mean nothing. Nor what can I say? I'm quite the charmer, believe it or not. Mm, yes, let's go with that. But we are in hell now. So well, what does it look like around us? Yeah, Landon, what's hell look like? <laughs> hell is... It's fiery, but not nearly as fiery as uh, Alistair was expecting. Like, it's more like it's hot and dry than like things are actively on fire. Oh, so it was in Arizona. Yes. The area that you're in appears to be in some sort of central settlement of hell, and all of the buildings are made out of obsidian. You can hear the drone of, like, souls screaming, but it's not, like... You can see them. It all seems surprisingly empty and yet crowded at the same time. Well, at least you did us a favor and plopped us right into the City of the Damned. That saves us quite a bit of walking on the Blood Road. I've got to say, I do admire the commitment to the aesthetic. Quick question, Landon. Is there anything I have of Theodora's. I don't think I do, but I want to keep trying to milk that tracking move. I don't think you do. You had a letter from her, but I don't know. I wouldn't have kept it on me. Yeah. So I don't think you have anything of hers. A silk okay, might, though, because fair. we have had several, uh, like, Triss and, uh, like, I might have an article of clothing of hers, maybe. Well, you also, like, literally had a tryst with her last night. Mm hmm What small bauble did you pick up from her manor, since you collect these things? I do like to collect things. I'm going to go with a stamp you would use to uh, do a wax seal, and I grab one of those. Oh, you swiped the Lockwood seal? That's rude. Okay. <laughs> and... Yeah, I'll toss that over to Alistair. Yeah, Alistair takes it and looks at Silk and just, you really are not meant to have this. And then I would like to use my tracking spell, please, to find where and how I can find my cousin. Down the road, take a right, keep walking until you see that really big rock. Go left there in like three more minutes. She's on the right. All right, Silk, follow me. I know where we're going. <laughs> and now the little stamp is like Siri talking at you. At the giant obsidian rock, turn left. <laughs> when you hear the tortured screams of the damned, turn right. All right. And as the two of you make your way there, let's swing back by at Victor. Yeah, so Victor is going to drive his crappy Toyota, back to Five Points, park a couple blocks away from the bodega, and walk there on foot, and try and see if he can't catch these people who are casing a recently busted bodega. This feels like a keep your cool. Yeah. 
Totally. Okay. That is an 11. That is an 11. All right. So on a 10 plus, all's well. Okay. So you are able to like play this off pretty chill because I mean, you belong here. Why would anyone question Victor walking around five points? Like, eh, that's life. It's what he does. <laughs> the people who you see casing out the place, I mean, you've, You've met a couple of vampires at this point. They mm -hmm. smell different. It's like Jew once removed descended. <laughs> right, sure. <laughs> but like as you're passing by, it's there's a couple of vampires who are like working on jimmying the back door open without just totally busting through it and causing a huge scene. Cool. I walk down the alley. Can I help you folks with anything? Ooh. Power play. It's as you're saying that, that the back door, they successfully got it open. And the one who was like doing the lock picking slides his hands back into his pockets. Like it was just a pair of keys that he had. And, oh, we're uh, friends of Troy's. He asked us to come pick up a couple of things from the shop. Hmm. Yeah, but Troy's dead, though. Well, all the more reason for us to clean out his shop, then. I think you should head home. Tell Finn that I'm not interested in dealing with you. And then, like, I put an arm under my jacket and grab my shotgun. Don't pull it out, but just, like, put a hand on it. You all had more debts on people because we've had two really great drop someone's names. <laughs> this is true. All right, I'll go ahead and roll to Persuaded NPC through threats. Oh, that's a seven. The three of them kind of like look at each other. And then the one who was talking to you looks back at you and says, we'll leave. But if you want a message delivered to Finn, you got to do that yourself. That makes me really want to like shoot this person. I mean, you can't. <laughs> They're just modifying the terms. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Victor needs to fucking send a message. So he's like, fine, I will then. And just pulls his shotgun out of the holster in his jacket and fires at the first one, the nearest one. All right. Roll to unleash an attack. That is a 12. All right. One second. I got to pull gang moves back up. Yeah, absolutely. Things I was not ready for today. Violence. Things I should always be ready for. Violence. Listen, when you're a hammer, <laughs> every problem looks like a nail. No, this is perfect. I love it. Someone's got to always be pissing off the vampires. Finn still hasn't called me. Okay. And I'm trying to remember, isn't it like you do one less harm mm -hmm. for each step a group up is from you? And then a shotgun's three harm, close, messy, loud. Mm -hmm. That all sounds accurate. I would also like to inflict terrible harm. Okay. So that'll be three harm total then because that negates the group size bonus. Whichever one you shoot, like, it's just, they're out. Just headshot, splatters everywhere. It's loud. The shot echoes down the alleyway. And the other two are 
caught off guard. They weren't expecting you to like switch to this immediately. God, it's like people don't know me at all. I know, right? Cool. At which point I'm going to point the shotgun at the other ones. You can run along now. They don't need to be convinced any further. They just both look at each other and bolt. At which point I'm going to go into Troy's bodega. <laughs> I figured. Conveniently open door. <laughs> I mean, the bodega clearly hasn't, like, nobody's been in here for the last day or so. It's a bodega. I know there's something in here that's worth coming for. So I'm going to try and find it, and then I'm going to get out of here. Investigate a place of power with night, I think. Sure, that makes sense. That's a 13. Ooh, so Victor kind of starts moving his way through and ends up in Troy's office, which is upstairs. There's like a small apartment, nothing too fancy. And his office is a bit of a mess. But notably, his laptop is still in his office. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's in sleep mode right now, but that seems like a thing. Well, I'm going to grab the laptop and the charge cord because I don't have one of those. You also get to ask a question. My question is going to be, why is Fen after Troy's business? Or what's in it for Fen to take over this particular business? As you grab Troy's laptop, you see that there's some ledger papers spread out underneath, like printouts of a file. And it looks like a roster of Finn's people. Well, I'm going to take that too. That's why they want to get all of this is because Troy had a bit too much information put together. I'm going to take that file. And just slide it into the laptop and exit the way I came in and skedaddle before anyone shows up because a shotgun just went off. That's a good plan. As Victor is getting out of Troy's bodega, we're back in the bell tower where there is a ghost waiting for you, Alex. And as Alex uh, comes up into the bell tower... I think he is once again going to give a little bow over his hand and take the little boutonniere off of his lapel and offer it forward towards the ghost. And it's kind of pointed because, again, this is a a very notable message if you speak the language of flowers, which I assume this uh, old French ghost does. Hydrangeas are usually a thank you kind of thing, like a, you know, a, a grateful sort of thing, but they do have an alternate meaning in that The begonia is usually a symbol to beware, and in that case, the hydrangea means that this person uh, has been pushed pretty far and is not going to put up with any more shit. So it's kind of a message to watch your step because you're on thin ice. The ghost smirks a little as she takes those flowers from you. And of course, in French again, this whole conversation takes place in French. Of course. So you're feeling like I pushed you a little. Ah, well, it would be rude of me to jump to conclusions. You did invite me here after all. What can I do for you? Can an old ghost not just want some company? 
You certainly can, but last time you seemed to think my company wasn't something that would be beneficial to you. Maybe I've come around. And what brought that on? She just kind of smiles a little, and certain events that have taken place recently are making me question my positioning on things. Ah. Was it the string of murders, or the destruction of the brigade, or the arrival of Darby Albrecht? Was it perhaps the vampires infesting Five Points? Which one of these events? Mostly the murders. Well then, let me allay your fears. I don't believe they were unjustified, so... Less murder, more vengeance. She looked surprised at that comment, and a little confused. What do you mean by vengeance? Do you know what the most precious thing in this world is? Do you have any idea? <laughs> this is a very pointed question. It really is. Well... Since you seem disinclined to give me your opinion, let me give you mine. It's a life. A life with a beginning and an end. And I have recently come into some information that has made me think that you have been complicit in stealing this precious gift from someone very close to you. So tell me, is that truly what it takes to make a city run? For this what it does. Then you'll understand that I disagree. As you are welcome to. We share a common background. We are both of us older than we have any right to be. And we have both, I suspect seen and done terrible things. But in my worst moments, I would never have done what you did. <laughs> she starts laughing at that. Uh, really? Does Quite. the name Jeanette du Collier mean anything to you? Quite does. My sister. Well then, here's a trade for you. You want him back? All you have to do is end me. And I'll give you that chance. If you promise to leave this world immediately after. You see, the issue is that my opinion on life isn't quite the same as yours. And while I mourn that voice that I'm sure screams in your head, I just find your positioning a little hypocritical. I never claimed to be an angel, but on down through the years, I have tried to be better than I was, and you are leaning hard into being the worst you can be. I really want to have her try to dismiss you just for that. I think that's what's going to happen, is she's just, I suppose that's something that I'll have to think about further. And you can feel the pull of her, like, trying to force you out of this in-between. Mm -hmm. But Rosalie did not lie to you. 
you can feel like that mask against your side kind of turn warm as she pushes against you, but your form stays where it is. And as she tries to dismiss him, Alex is just going to stalk forward towards her. And I think what he is going to try and do is, since he is what he is, and she is basically a disembodied spirit, he is just, he's not actually trying to hurt her, but he is going to try and grab her. He's trying to kind of let it out to take hold of something vulnerable. Yeah, I think that tracks. Oh, that's a 10. So on the 10 plus, I think, I yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take the corruption. I'm going to take definite hold of something vulnerable or exposed, uh, that being this ghost. He's going to physically grab the front of her ghostly uh, clothing and pull her slightly towards him. And I think I would like that to frighten, intimidate, or impress the opposition, because I don't think she was surprised. She was uh, expecting that. That is completely fair. She's also a proper woman, and you have grabbed her skirts. How rude. What a brute I am. I think she's definitely feeling very intimidated by this move. She was not expecting of this. And, you know, this is her sanctum in some sort of way. And you've broken the rules of it. She doesn't know how. And in that moment where she is confused, Alex is just going to stare her in the eye for a second. And as he does, like his sclera just roll over black. I could swallow you whole right now. And I believe it would be warranted. But as I said, I am trying to be better than I was. If you do not remove yourself from this seat of power in this city, I will tear this building down brick by brick, and you along with it. Do I make myself clear? Yes. And Alex lets her go, and he is going to turn to walk out uh, down this bell tower uh, under his own power. I think as Alex walks out, the bells start ringing again. Nice. With a bit of a distinct, you know, tantrum. <laughs> is Astrid still out there? I think she is. When you see her, you see that the lily in her hand has withered. And Alex just kind of looks over at her. Do you like poetry? It has its uses and its moments, but I'm not sure I would like any poetry you gave me. <laughs> well, tell your family. Hello, and rethink your occupation. I'm sure my wife will be glad to hear that. I think Alex isn't going to reply to that. I think he's just going to head down past her. Yeah, that's a good spot to end that scene, though. Is there anything else Jeremiah wanted to do this evening? No, I think he... he's got a lot of stuff to do tomorrow, but I think he's just going to call it a day at this point. I think there's just this scene of Jeremiah and Dinah sitting in his bed. Dinah has her laptop out and is couch shopping online. <laughs> and she like shows one to Jeremiah and goes, what do you think of this one? Yeah, that looks excellent. Fit right in. First furniture we've bought together. <laughs> she like adds it to her cart. Shame about the old one. Well, you know, I had a point to prove. Indeed. Uh, busy day tomorrow. Busy fucking day. We should get some sleep then.
and the lights turn off. Mm-hmm. And we're back in hell, where Alistair and Silk have arrived at a building that Silk actually recognizes because it is uh, Nabirius's house. Silk's probably been here before. It's fine. Do, do they have like a demon door demon thing? Or can we just waltz in? It's like a pulley thing, but it'll like ring a bunch of bells to announce your presence. Go ahead and pull that. Alice, do stay away from... Just stay on the path. It's probably better for you. What happens if I step off? Well, um... Let's just say bad things. I'm assuming you like your corporeal body. Generally. Yes, so just stay on the path. I mean, this will ideally be my one and only time in hell. I have to admit, I'm quite curious to experiment a little bit. Well, it's not so bad, really. A little bit humid for my tastes. As we get that statement, like, the doors slide open. And the interior of Nibiris' abode is kind of decent, actually. And you both see Nibirius in his kind of like half-human, half-demon form, just hanging out in a chair, playing a game of chess uh, across from Theodora. Oh, Silk, I wasn't uh, expecting you to drop in today, and I... uh, Friend? Oh, it's Lockwood Boy. Yes, normally I would announce myself, but this was more of a... uh, uh, me paying off a debt. So, here I am. You know how we can be with our promises. Hmm. Alistair, uh, good to see you again. Yes, hello. It's been, well, a very eventful, if not long time. That's fair. And what seems to be going on here, dear cousin? Last I saw you, things were tense. Theodora looks up. She had been very focused in on the uh, chessboard between the two. You notice that there's a little bit of scaling that has formed, like, on the outside of her eyes. But besides that, nothing else, like, major. And she just said, oh, I had the discussion that Nibirius and I needed to have. And we're just playing a very friendly game of chess that's possibly a land war. Not sure if I follow all of the rules. But it seemed like a good idea, a good way to seal the deal. If she moves like a piece. And I do have to ask, what deal have you made, dear cousin? She shrugs, not inclined to answer that. You can roll to figure her out if you'd like to. Yeah. Unless you want to, like, go threaten her to answer you. Or if you have a debt on her, you can cash in a debt to make her answer a question. That is a good point. I do have two debts on her. I'm going to look at her and say, All right, I do believe it was my portal that allowed you to make this deal. So I believe you at least owe me the terms and conditions. I've had a, well, pardon the pun, hell of a day getting here to find out. And I would like some fucking answers, please. I kind of imagine Alistair, like, flipping the chessboard in the middle of that. (laughs) No, I think he's still, like, across the room, but 
his shoulders are like up to his ears in tension right now. Well, as I'm sure you know, there's that organization I talked to you about that's been causing all sorts of issues. My powers alone and even the Coven's combined powers were not going to be enough. We needed some assistance. Nibirius here has been ever so kind as to enter a contract with me to bolster up the Lockwood Coven for the time being until I can complete the uh, hostile takeover of the other coven, and then he and I will reconvene for me to pay up. I think Alistair turns his attention from her to Nibirius and says, All right, so it sounds like you've gotten your vessel by way of my portal, so why don't we make with some answers here? You said you had information about my parents' deaths. I'm waiting. Silk, would you like to take my place in this game? I would love to. Um, though it's not going to last much longer, really. Rook to e7. Well, I'll do what I can. <laughs> like Theodora was actually handily winning this game. And as Nibirius and uh, Silk switch places, a door into Nibirius's demonic office opens and Nibirius gestures. After you, my good young Lockwood, I have some archives to walk you through. All right. Alistair will follow after him. And as the two move into this room and we hear the clack of Theodora making another move, that is where this episode is going to end. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, tweet us at St. Fleur Pod and let us know your thoughts. Shadows of St. Fleur is an Urban Shadows actual play podcast emceed by Landon Corbin. You can find him on Twitter at OccasionalGM. This episode was edited by Brie. She can be found on Twitter at PseudonymSocial. Additional editing and production for this episode was completed by Elliot, who can be found on Twitter at PodcasterElliot. Alistair is voiced and played by Elliot. You can find him on Twitter at PodcasterElliot. Alex is voiced and played by Jeremy. You can find him on Twitter at TayuFace. Silk is voiced and played by Eric. You can find him on Twitter at PrimeFactorX01. Victor is voiced and played by Evan. You can find him on Twitter at Nyquist underscore JE. And finally, Jeremiah is voiced and played by Allison. Urban Shadows is a Powered by the Apocalypse tabletop role-playing game written, designed, and developed by Andrew Medeiros and Mark Diaz-Truman. It is published by Magpie Games, who you can find at magpiegames.com or on Twitter at MagpieOfficial. Farewell, dear listener. We hope you enjoyed your visit to St. Fleur.